don't have enough time to sit down and read all the best Bitcoin articles? Well, let us read them for you. This is a Crypto Economy Quick Read. What's up, crew? Welcome back to the show. This is the Crypto Economy Podcast. If you didn't know that, I don't know why you're here. I am your host, Guy Swan. And if you did not know what this was and you just happened to show up here, well, you're in for a treat. We're going to read some awesome stuff about Bitcoin today. It is an accounting revolution. That is our article today. It is Bitcoin and accounting revolution. And it digs a little deeper into the whole uh, the single, double, and triple entry accounting uh, concept, the history, and it's by, it actually took me a really long time to track this author down uh, because the username is uh, Decentralized Credit um, on Medium, but the actual, like the actual tag is Perma, uh, I'm going to get this, Perma Bull Nino, uh, and uh, that is the actual tag, I believe, on Twitter. Let me make sure. Uh, nope, that's just the name, Permable Nino. And the tag appears to be, I'ma call you Jody. So I will link to that. I'm not going to spell the whole thing out. Um, but uh, they wrote uh, this article, and this is uh, uh, May 21st. Yeah, so this is relatively new. And um, it's all about the idea of the triple, triple entry um, system. And what makes it powerful, we've done some, like, a little bit of reading on this in the past, but I thought this one was a really, really fun one that explored it a little bit deeper and uh, went a little bit more into the history uh, and then explicitly, like, what made, uh, what makes these new systems just vastly different and kind of the characteristics between, uh, or the comparison between something like double entry versus a system like Bitcoin and what it gives us in a level of assurances uh, and it's pretty it's pretty amazing uh, it's not too long it says 19 minute read by medium so i imagine probably 30 minutes maybe um in our read so without further ado so that i have plenty of time for a little some commentary at the end uh let's go ahead and jump right in again this is by perma bull nino and it is titled bitcoin an accounting revolution Building Accounting Systems, Triple Entry, and Absolute Assurance Bitcoin is an accounting revolution. This accounting revolution enables a monetary revolution. Another way to look at this is accounting revolution equals technological, monetary revolution equals social. Disruptive technologies spark social movements. If they didn't spark social movements, then they would, by definition, not be disruptive. Facebook, YouTube, and Airbnb are all technologies that changed the way we understood and interact with friends, content creation, and travel, respectively. Bitcoin is no different in this regard, as it is an accounting technology that is in the process of transforming our understanding and usage of money. This piece will provide a detailed discussion on Bitcoin and how it provides a simple yet revolutionary step forward in the field of accounting. 
With this in mind, wrapping our heads around Bitcoin as an accounting phenomenon requires some build-up. Our game plan goes as follows. 1. A brief history of accounting and audit. 2. Historical trends of accounting and audit. 3. Introducing Bitcoin and triple-entry accounting in depth. 4. Bitcoin accounting versus double-entry accounting. 5. Bitcoin and Lightning versus double-entry accounting. And 6. Implications and Conclusions. 1. A Brief History of Accounting and Audit Accounting and audit both have rich histories that are worthwhile exploring for purposes of our discussion. It's important that we understand how these fields advanced over the long arc of time because this understanding will allow us to appropriately frame Bitcoin and its design. It is common to cite the cypherpunks and their compelling works as the beginning of Bitcoin's story. However, what we will see through our historical lens is that Satoshi's invention was thousands of years in the making. Below, we will walk through each historical point and accounting advancement and attempt to concisely elaborate on its relative significance. Counting Before concerning ourselves over value recording capabilities, we needed the ability to communicate numbers at the most basic level. These communication building blocks included 1. Signaling numbers non-verbally, 2. Verbal communication of numbers, and 3. Written communication of numbers. All three historically occurred in the order as presented and originate from a single descendant, the human body. Quite naturally, humans used parts of their body to communicate early on, and this habit even continues until this day. Popular body parts leveraged for counting included fingers, toes, knuckles, and even ears. Different groups of people built numerical systems and created numerical language using certain body parts, and the body part of choice determined the numerical layout. For this reason, it seems more than appropriate that 2 and 5 are such important numbers within our contemporary counting system. Just look at your own body and you'll find the answer to be self-evident. Private Record Keeping As human exchange evolved, a need to track such dealings emerged. Until the 14th century, this generally involved jotting down rough notes, which described in a sentence or paragraph format the nature of an exchange, including counterparties, goods, and amounts. During this time period, accounts, which were merely a batch of transactions based on type to arrive at an easily digestible balance, did not exist. Categorization of receipts and disbursements, however, did exist. Organizing the numbers for the transactions in a column to the right of the description hadn't been popularized either, with amounts just included within the written transaction description. In this era, single-entry accounting reigned supreme, and with this accounting scheme, the complexity of exchange sat stationed in a form of financial purgatory. How so? Well, simply put, only one half of every transaction found its way into the accounting books of each party under single entry. This weakness heavily impacted the auditability of transactional records, and this deficiency naturally made it substantially more difficult to settle disputes. Lack of recourse and an absent safety net of truth in the form of reliable accounting records made stakeholders much less inclined to expand their transactional reach, and rightfully so. 
Fortunately, a solution emerged to fix these problems. Double-entry accounting. The accounting quality standards through the private record-keeping era left a lot to be desired. This was the case for good reason, as the records being kept were only for the eyes of the party doing the transacting. However, a great leap finally occurred that led to the need for systematic bookkeeping, accountability to external parties. Recording a transactional history with an external user in mind requires an effective, easy-to-follow approach that ultimately provides an auditable trail of evidence to identify errors or fraud in the case of dispute. Double-entry accounting fulfilled this need in a simple yet elegant fashion. The genesis of double-entry as we know it emerged in Genoa, Italy during the 14th century before spreading to the rest of Italy and neighboring European countries. Luca Pacioli, a Florentine friar mathematician, is known for popularizing double-entry via his treatise Summa de Arithmetica, which included a chapter on the newly discovered double-entry scheme. Following the publication of Luca's treatise, the world witnessed a viral spread of double-entry bookkeeping, but not without opposition. On multiple occasions, accountants dispersed throughout various parts of Europe attempted to debunk double-entry or invent a new and improved bookkeeping system to little avail. Double-entry survived peer review and was here to stay. The fact of the matter is that it withstood the test of time because double-entry captured the true essence of transacting by recording the give and the take, so to speak. Early success and basic accounting framework aside, double-entry did require iterations over the years. A couple instances that exemplify this need to iterate include 1. Checking that debits and credits balanced, or in other words, netted to zero, wasn't initially understood. This needed to be discovered later. 2. Transferring residual income into a capital account at the end of a reporting period, net income to retained earnings, wasn't always obvious and required time for discovery. Those that are accountants by training understand these two iterations as a given nowadays, which is a testament to the advancements in double entry in the past 600-ish years. Despite these large strides, double entry and the reporting systems such as GAAP and IFRS built on top of it are still works in progress. Note, double entry adoption also introduced formal audits of accounting records to the mainstream. Triple entry accounting. The turn of the millennium welcomed a once in a thousand years evolution of accounting. Triple entry particularly of interest for purposes of our discussion is Ian Griggs suggested implementation of triple entry which he describes as quote a system that creates bulletproof accounting systems for aggressive uses and users end quote this bulletproof accounting system supposedly was to bring together quote financial cryptography innovations such as the signed receipt with the standard accountancy techniques of double entry bookkeeping end quote Further, the system was to create three sets of entries, two of which that are included as a part of the standard set of double entries, and additional entry to be provided by the issuer. This entry was provided by the issuer in the form of a digital receipt of the transaction, signed by the issuer 
to create a, quote, dominating record of the event to be stored by all three parties. Example of a signed receipt, uh, a user's check of uh, saying from Alice to Bob of 100 euros uh, for pins. You have Alice's signature, and then with, under the date and everything, you have Ivan's signature. So this is a signed receipt, or in other words, the dominating record of the event. Notice Alice and Bob are transacting. Ivan is the issuer. Grig makes several noteworthy observations, such as the importance of transparency within the system to track the, quote, clear relationship of participants, which would in turn require pseudonymity. He also touches on the digital receipt's dominance in information terms, but its relative weakness in processing. Overall, his handle on the triple entry scheme is mind-bendingly strong for someone who wrote this Christmas Day, 2005. If I'd have to guess, this paper written by Mr. Grigg went unnoticed by most of the world at the time of its publication. However, Speculatively speaking, it seems likely this paper served as the final spark to create the ultimate accounting scheme, which would support decentralized digital cash three years later. This gap in time between Griggs' piece and a very famous white paper published on Halloween 2008 seems hardly coincidental. 2. Historical Trends of Accounting and Audit our short run through the history of accounting and audit helps track our progress as a species in synthesizing and documenting value. In this section, we will list trends that have persisted throughout the history of accounting and audit to provide additional context to such history. By doing this, we will much better understand the core pieces to building accounting systems and thus be capable of comparing various accounting schemes along with their respective pros and cons. Without further delay, standout trends throughout history include Tamper resistance. Accounting cannot serve its purpose for tracking value through time if records are easily reversed or changed. Example, dating all the way back to 2600 BC, Babylonian scribes used to record business dealings on clay slabs. These clay slabs were subsequently baked or sun-dried to preserve permanence of the documentation. Redundancy This feature of accounting systems serves as the backbone of the error and fraud prevention. Redundancy, such as financial controls, aid in maintaining internal accounting quality, and audits from independent third parties provide an extra layer for identifying issues. Example Ancient Egyptians implemented redundancy into their financial dealings by assigning two separate officials the task of recording independent accounts of each transaction. Transparency Accountability cannot be ensured without transparency in some sort of capacity. Examples In ancient Greece, elected officers of finance had their accounts engraved on stones which were available for scrutiny to the public. A more contemporary case of transparency and accountability can be found in publicly traded stocks and their public release of quarterly or annually reviewed and audited financial statements. Adaptability Accounting as a technology has had a great track record of adapting to satisfy the needs of its contemporary period. 
a lack in adaptability would stunt future growth in any economy, as entrepreneurs would trip over themselves attempting to scale their value-recording capabilities with their business operations. Examples. Pacioli used a book for recording entries called The Memorial, which preceded entries in the journal. This book was treated as a conversion journal of sorts, as there was very little uniformity of monetary systems during the medieval period. Amounts in the memorial were converted to a single unit of account and subsequently recorded in the journal. For something more contemporary, today GAAP and IFRS are constantly changing to account for complex, newly identified issues. Enabling There's a degree of reflexivity in accounting systems and the economies they're created to support. Accounting systems need to adapt to support entrepreneurs, but once they do, they enable further economic expansion and prosperity. Example. Double-entry bookkeeping's birth occurred right as the Renaissance was beginning, an era which marked the transition to modernity as we know it. Albeit not a popular opinion, there's an argument to be made that the creation of such a bookkeeping system provided a strong undercurrent for pushing the world ahead during this period. Exclusive. Accounting has historically been a field dominated by the educated, with high barriers to entry. Examples. In the early days of double entry, the number of accountants within a country could be counted on two hands. Later, accountants were prohibited from practicing for not possessing enough apprenticeship or educational hours. These standards, in some respects, persist today. Simplicity. An unspoken rule in accounting and audit is that the procedures used to account for a transaction should only be as complicated as the situation demands. Simplicity is key in error prevention before the fact and detection after the fact. Additionally, simplicity greases the wheels for adoption of an accounting scheme. Example, Edward Thomas Jones, an English accountant, created a bookkeeping system in the late 18th century that he claimed would upend double entry. His so-called groundbreaking system used 10 columns instead of two and supposedly provided stronger assurances surrounding error and fraud prevention of ledger data. Needless to say, the system was overly complex for the little, if any, improvements in ledger integrity that the system afforded. 3. Introducing Bitcoin and Triple Entry Accounting in depth. All right, so now we are getting to the good stuff, and it's getting a little bit warm in my Bitcoin blankie fort, and I definitely need uh, another coffee. So let's take a quick break, hit our sponsor, and jump right back in on introducing Bitcoin and the triple entry accounting in depth. All right, let's jump back in. Of the characteristics used to describe accounting systems in the previous section, the three most important are arguably 1. Tamper resistance, 2. Redundancy, and 3. Transparency. With Griggs' instantiation of triple entry, real-time transparency emerged as an obvious improvement from the well-established double entry scheme. A degree of additional redundancy showed itself as another innovation within his proposed system by creating the receipt, dominant record of events, which was to be stored by the two transacting parties plus the issuer, the third-party verifier. 
However, with only three parties storing the receipt, the possibility of losing it remained. In addition, purposely disposing of the receipt loomed as a what-could-go-wrong as well. At the risk of sounding repetitive, some work remained to make Griggs' system truly bulletproof, as the tamper resistance and redundancy pillars were not fully resolved as of his 2005 paper. This is where Satoshi comes in. Using a small tweak to Griggs' system, Satoshi fully solved the remaining tamper resistance and redundancy issues within the triple entry scheme. How did he or she pull this off? By gamifying the process for providing the signature on the issuer receipt. Via gamification, competing for verification and signature rights became explicitly profit incentivized. The opportunity to profit gave outside parties a selfish want or need to provide third-party verification services, and with this desire came a gigantic redundancy upgrade. In astounding fashion, the redundancy enabler within Satoshi Triple Entry also provided the engine for mitigating the remaining tamper-resistance problems. The mechanism leveraged for accomplishing this is called proof of work. Simply and generally stated, proof of work requires an unforgeable costly account of effort to prove work was performed in order to reach a certain conclusion. Within the Satoshi scheme, Bitcoin, work is carried out via repeatedly hashing a subset of relevant block data and a random number, a nonce, to find a hash below the required network difficulty target. This hash itself can be verified by other third-party verifiers within the Bitcoin network and ultimately serves as the receipt signature for each published receipt, i.e. blocks. The cost to hash comes in the form of electricity used to fuel hashing machines, ASICs, and this cost makes it expensive to tamper with the dominant record of events, i.e. the blockchain. The Coinbase rewards, the newly minted coins, of each block that is published and accepted by the network, plus transaction fees, serve as the profit motive. To cleanly summarize the solving of the tamper resistance and redundancy issues, profit is a redundancy enabler. The profit motive are the block rewards plus transaction fees. Profit motive incentivizes verifiers to join the network. Cost equals tamper resistance. Cost considerations are the hashing costs, electricity and fixed overhead. Cost consideration discourages and prevents tampering by making it expensive to do so. 4. Bitcoin Accounting versus Double Entry Accounting The differences in Bitcoin's Triple Entry Scheme and Pacholi's Double Entry Scheme is beyond the three characteristics mentioned in the previous discussion. Within this section, we will explore in detail the differences between the two systems, the implications of Bitcoin's existence as it relates to accounting, and whether the two systems represent substitutes or complements to each other. Below is a table listing out the primary differences between Bitcoin and double entry. I definitely recommend checking out this table because it does a great job of listing the primary differences between 
the double entry and Bitcoin accounting system on a number of different characteristics. At a high level, the differences between these systems can be summarized into three categories. One, flexibility. Two, scalability. And three, intensity of assurances offered. However, these categories are not all created equally. Flexibility and scalability characteristics of each respective system are what ultimately yield a difference in intensity of assurances offered. The prior reflects specific means of differentiating Bitcoin from the traditional accounting system, and the latter more so illustrates the grand innovation when you put all the pieces together. This grand innovation will be our focus for the rest of this section. With this in mind, the whole world runs on double-entry accounting. This double-entry dominance is to be expected as it is highly flexible, scalable, and simple system for recording or communicating value. Furthermore, in the event of errors or fraud, there also exists an audit trail for identifying what went wrong. Financial controls in some capacity provide a means to prevent these problems before and external auditors perform their role in detecting after. All things considered, double entry has been a raging success and continues to serve us very well. However, there is one glaring flaw with it. The assurances that it offers its users over data integrity. In the accounting profession, the intensity of the assurance that double entry offers is known as reasonable assurance. Although reasonable assurance does suggest a high degree of reliability post-audit, it by no means is a guarantee that the ledger is completely accurate, only accurate enough. Take the accounting or auditing of cash balances as an example. A relatively low-risk area of any audit engagement and the most comparable asset to Bitcoins on any balance sheet. External audit gains confidence over the cash balances by requesting bank confirmations, which are paper or digital reports that take anywhere from 24 hours to a few weeks to get from the bank holding the client's funds. Reports from external third parties such as these are considered highly reliable pieces of audit evidence, as collusion would be the only manner of which fake balances could be hypothetically supported. Collusion is very difficult to detect because the auditors have no reason to suspect foul play. They do not have access to the bank's accounting system, and there might not be any signs of fraud in the reports provided. The purpose of this example is to show that even in the simplest cases, it is impossible to attain full guarantees over the integrity of accounting data under the double-entry scheme. Herein lies the pinch, and where Bitcoin makes one of the greatest leaps in the history of accounting. Bitcoin is the first accounting system to ever provide absolute assurance over ledger data. Unlike double entry, Bitcoin accomplishes this by providing expedient third-party verification via its inflexible, highly redundant protocol and network. From an accounting perspective, the speed at which this verification from independent parties occurs is incredibly significant as it reflects a paradigm shift from an overhead-intensive and slow verification regime to one that is lightweight for users and only a click away at all times. To put more simply, it disintermediates the old and separate internal accounting and external audit functions by combining them into a single, inseparable product.
It is worthwhile noting that absolute assurance is not an out-of-the-box feature with all public blockchains and can only be earned with enough resources committed to the network. These resources strengthen the tamper resistance and redundancy pillars we discussed earlier, and very few, if not only Bitcoin, public blockchains meet this criteria. This ability to provide absolute assurance is mission critical for the longevity of any crypto network, as entrepreneurs will only rally around accounting schemes that prove to be highly reliable. It's likewise important to note that double entry and Bitcoin triple entry are complementary in nature. A quick glance at the table provided within the section should show that Bitcoin fills some gaps in the double entry scheme that are welcomed additions to the accounting offerings available on the market today. It is of equal importance to note that Bitcoins, the unit of account, are compatible with both the Bitcoin network and a locally run double entry software. The same cannot be said of competing fiat monies, such as the US dollar, the euro, or British pounds, which only have access to one part of the full accounting suite, double entry. In a later section, we will further explore the implications of such a distinction. 5. Bitcoin plus Lightning versus Double Entry Accounting Detractors have long argued that Bitcoin would never be anything more than a fledgling network due to its inability to scale. These same naysayers have further posited that Layer 2 solutions were a pipe dream and would never come to fruition. Fortunately, this has proven not to be the case as of early 2019. With the rapid expansion of Lightning Network in terms of users, nodes, channels, and Bitcoin capacity. On the surface, Lightning looks like an additional payment rail that will help expand Bitcoin's transactional reach. This description is accurate, but the real question is, why does it enable higher transactional throughput? From an accounting standpoint, the answer is that Lightning represents an iteration on old-school double-entry, and more specifically, a Bitcoin-native double-entry scheme. Before discussing Lightning any further, let's present the table from the previous section with a new column attached. And we've got the same uh, assurances and characteristics of double entry versus Bitcoin with a new column of Lightning and showing the, the main differences between uh, each of these systems and what their assurances are. Again, definitely recommend it. It's a very long, large table, but a lot of great stuff in there. What we start to see from the table above is that Lightning represents a middle ground between double entry and Bitcoin triple entry from an assurance perspective. This trade-off for establishing a middle ground is accomplished at the expense of simplicity and flexibility that old-school double entry offers. As such, double entry remains relevant and useful in an accounting universe where Bitcoin and Lightning exist. Duly important is what the layered approach to scaling represents and adherence to accounting and audit principles. During any financial statement audit, amounts that are below a certain materiality threshold, individually and summated, are ignored, as assurance over the small balances would generally provide trivial amounts of additional confidence in the state of the financials in question. Bitcoin and Lightning leverage this rationale for scaling Bitcoin by moving smaller transactions to a less redundant accounting and audit layer with the option of always using Bitcoin's on-chain absolute assurance at the click of a button when closing out a Lightning channel. 6. 
Implications and Conclusions Bitcoin as the Ultimate Accounting Tool Bitcoin has the potential to become the center of the accounting universe. Why? Because Bitcoins, the unit of account, are fully compatible across all three parts of the accounting suite, whereas fiat monies only have access to a single part. Visually speaking, we can illustrate this difference as follows. Just a simple graphic showing the relationships. Since fiat monies are not natively crypto-based, they are incapable of accessing the full depths of the accounting and utility assurances offered by cryptocurrencies. Stablecoins do not qualify, as they have huge centralized dependency issues and the stablecoin merely represents dollars that only exist off-chain, or in some cases, supposedly exist off-chain. What this difference implies is that when Bitcoin comes of age, it will be more useful than fiat as there will be more ways to reliably account for value for prospective entrepreneurs. More ways to account for value with different accounting models that are strong in different arenas suggests that there will be new types of businesses created with a Bitcoin-centric viewpoint, while fiat sits watching on the sidelines. Lastly, the full Bitcoin accounting suite graphic might provide some clues to lingering concerns over a low-block subsidy future. If Bitcoin becomes the center of the accounting universe and the ultimate source of value-based truth, there's a high chance that demand will capably support security of the network. Those who argue, quote, high fees will kill adoption fail to understand the intensity of assurances that Bitcoin offers and the ease at which it does this. Put lightly, Bitcoin is insanely cheap compared to alternative options for obtaining high degrees of assurance. Bitcoin is a vehicle built for moon missions, but we are giving it similar treatment to a scooter. Extra thought. Bitcoin might not be considered a unit of account from a monetary perspective, but it is already the ultimate unit account in the most important sense of the phrase, from the accounting viewpoint. The blockchain model is here to stay. This point isn't something many people spend much time thinking about. However, there are still some out there that are looking to speculate on alternative forms of distributed ledger technology, or DLT. If these other distributed accounting models aim to upend the blockchain model, they need to equally or stronger provide 1. Simplicity in accounting for value or 2. Intensity of assurances that the blockchain model already offers. I, for one, consider this unlikely, as the blockchain model is quite simple. Satoshi explained it in six sentences in the Bitcoin white paper, and the assurances blockchains provide are almost absolute in their guarantees under the correct implementation and resource commitment to the network. Bitcoin's Most Fundamental Value Proposition we hear a variety of reasons for why Bitcoins might be valuable. Some of these reasons include sound money, a hedge against central banking, etc. These are all true, but provide reasons that are external to the network itself. To date, I have not seen the true value proposition for Bitcoin and its unit of account, Bitcoins, described anywhere at the most fundamental level. By establishing the fundamental value proposition, we can work our way into the more social realms that are properly discussed. So before concluding, we will attempt to concisely explain it below.
Bitcoins are valuable because they are the irreplaceable, scarce incentive token that serve as the glue to a distributed, novel, triple-entry accounting scheme that disintermediates money, accounting, and third-party verification by combining them into a single software-based product. Demand exists to use this software because it offers absolute assurance in accounting for value transfer and storage, which is a proposition that no other accounting system on the planet is capable of offering. Bitcoin's accounting scheme is also unique in that it possesses the properties that enable intense utility-based assurances for users such as censorship resistance and asset seizure resistance. These very features make Bitcoins a popular value storage vehicle for, quote, aggressive uses and users, who also have the benefit of easier access to it as a result of its digital and open build. The combination of accounting and utility-based assurances and the digital open build makes Bitcoins an ideal tool for protection against the current monetary regime and ultimately a quality candidate for a market-selected sound money. Final thought. Double-entry accounting has survived 600 to 700 years and has more than capably supported a wide variety of enterprises, ranging from textile firms of the Industrial Revolution to space travel companies of today. This accounting scheme has outlived 99% of the businesses built on top of it and has provided such a large amount of value that it would be futile to attempt to make the calculation. With this in mind, it's still worth wondering what an investment in double entry within its first 10 years would have amounted to today. Why? Because the opportunity to invest in proof-of-work and triple-entry accounting is available via Bitcoin. The ability to provide absolute assurance from an accounting perspective is unique historically, and completely underappreciated by the market at large. Nonsense from the blockchain-not-Bitcoin era of 2015 and 16 scared people off from the accounting side of the coin, but it's time we come full circle to fully appreciate Bitcoin for the accounting beast that it is. This robust accounting layer enables everything that we appreciate about Bitcoin and will likely propel it forward in the global money battle that is already well underway. For this reason, it is imperative that all involved understand Bitcoin as a money and an accounting revolution. A big thank you to OK Pearson at OKE Pearson on Twitter for his help in reviewing this piece, plus all accounting-related material included within. And that concludes Bitcoin and Accounting Revolution. I loved this article. Um, I love discussion about the whole triple entry accounting stuff. Again, this one was written by Perma Bull Nino. I will link to the Twitter account and the Medium page so that you can drop some applause on this one. I highlighted a couple of uh, main quotes in this article that I just thought were really, really good. Um, one that I just thought was wonderful was. Those who argue high fees will kill adoption failed to understand the intensity of assurances that Bitcoin offers 
and the ease at which it does this. Put lightly, Bitcoin is insanely cheap compared to alternative options for obtaining high degrees of assurance. Bitcoin is a vehicle built for moon missions, but we are giving it similar treatment to a scooter. That was just a wonderful, wonderful quote. And this really puts into perspective what the real tool of Bitcoin is. Like, what is its value? I, I, I really liked its, like, just, just before the conclusion, like, what is its value case? Um, uh, that's a really, really great section just about the fact that it is, it's not any one of these things. It's not just an auditing system. It's not just an accounting and exchange assurance. Um, and irreversibility. It's not just a um, an accounting assurance in the sense that there will never be any units wrong, that there will never be some debit or credit that is not accounted for. It's not just a scarce asset. It's not just an independent uh, uh, ownership uh, and bearer asset. It's not just a permissionless and censorship-resistant exchange network. It is all of these things combined into one system with its own unit of account. It does the job of like 20 different things and in industries that we think of today, all within uh, any arrangement that we have within the Bitcoin system. Like double entry provided assurances, like reasonable assurances, as it was the term, to the validity of any exchange or an audit. Physical gold. The, the reason physical gold is money, the reason there was some other asset other than just the accounting that uh, became the unit of account was because it was independent, because it was the double entry. Um, you could always, you always had the assurance of the unit that was gold. So if you held physical gold, what made it amazing money was that its scarcity was protected by the physical universe, by the laws of the universe that prevented it from being cheated. Like you couldn't counterfeit gold and you couldn't make gold without an incredible amount of energy or sourcing it from some location. There was no, there was no cheat code to making lots of gold. But then when it's storage and uh, a trading of its representation, like a representation of gold became the trade uh, the unit of account, uh, and that became centralized because obviously it needs to be stored by stored by some institution and then handed out like its notes in relation to it. Well, then its sound money assurances fell away with that, um, and the corruption of fiat money has led to the destruction of immense amounts of value because the assurances of that underlying scarcity was no longer backed by gold. There was no there was no assurance of the scarcity, regardless of the assurance of the double entry. Led, uh, uh, accounting that went into the exchange within the economy. We essentially rejected the physical scarcity and replaced it with brute authority. We could only be assured that the authority would prevent anyone else from counterfeiting the notes, but the assurances that the authority would not do this themselves was extremely low. In fact, it's exactly that power that encourages the authority to take over money in the first place. I recommend listening to... Uh, Previous episode is not uh, very long ago. It's called "Why the State Demands Control of Money." It's by uh, Hans Hermann Hoppe. What was why I don't neutrino? I think sucks. Um, I am not sure which money. I mean, which episode it is? Two twenty nine. Quick read two twenty nine. Uh, I will link to it in the show notes. Um, but that covers the concept in depth of why um, it's 
like every state demands the control over the money um, and goes into the whole lack of assurances and the immense power it brings to the authority that's in control of that uh, physical law of uh, money scarcity. But the practice of third-party auditing was kind of a slow and costly attempt at enforcing and providing some degree of that guarantee. But it too held the exact same risk of third-party corruption. Everything was still just trusting the next person to do their due diligence. Um, Like in regulatory agencies and government ratings throughout something like the 2008 financial crisis and then the horrific debts that are accumulated by these same institutions is a perfect example of the fact that it's obviously a very weak guarantee. So gold makes a brilliant money because as soon as you have it, without even having to concern yourself with the rest of the audit of the gold supply, you can prove that what is in your hands is real gold and therefore still protected by the the quote-unquote accounting of the physical universe limiting its supply. Obviously, it's incredibly difficult to source or produce more gold, um, whereas any kind of alternative unit, digital or fiat or whatever, has none of that uh, difficulty or scarcity. Um, it's, it's, it could not be easier to produce. It's, it's, it's scarcity and its cost of production is an entirely abstract, authority-based, like a social-enforced um, uh, idea rather than like a physical reality. So that's another reason. It's one of those reasons became like gold uh, became money was that its physical nature uh, not only cre- uh, ensured its scarcity, but it was also a bearer asset when you were holding it. There's no counterparty risk or permission like to prove that the gold is yours. If you hold it, it's under your control. Simple as that. Um, that's why physical money has always been a tool to keep the corruption of accounting or third-party risk at bay. We could always withdraw from the counterparty risk to a physical and provably scarce asset. So this is what made gold an important money outside of double-entry accounting system. The double-entry was to ensure that the end, the end settlement of gold or the asset or whatever was exchanged was in fact secured and not cheated and uh, fully audited and accounted for, and it had reasonable assurances, but then we had to still have gold as the core money um, to, uh, to ensure then the actual physical scarcity, the, the uh, uh, uncontestable, the incontestable uh, scarcity of the actual unit involved. So it was this escape valve on the huge systemic risk that comes with essentially the secrecy and broken assurances of fiat money um, or gold-represented money like notes. Bitcoin changes all of this. It, it, like top, top down the entire structure, the trade-off, and the needing to go between one and the other, it changes everything because it completely eliminates the issuer. It opens the system to a never-ending audit. Not from third parties, but from hundreds of thousands of computers every second indefinitely into the future, including multiple of my own computers. I do my own auditing of the entire system. And it took the decent assurances of gold scarcity by physical law and made them explicit. It made them like you know exactly how many Bitcoin exist. It's 100% auditable, and it is almost perfectly predictable for decades into the future and only really based on 
the variations in time. You might be off by a year or a couple of months or something based on difficulty adjustment and essentially the weather of uh, computers leaving and entering the space. The organic uh, growth of the system will probably will probably push everything that we think of as like the having dates and the supply a little bit a little bit closer into the future than we actually think of it. Um, uh, that's one of those uh, things that you kind of learn as you get into Bitcoin. You actually realize that because uh, its nature is for hash power to es- essentially constantly uh, increase on the network, um, just due to the nature of hardware capabilities and uh, the cost and sourcing of lower uh, sources of energy or lower cost sources of energy and all that stuff, we can especially we can essentially expect to have an ever ever increasing and slow uh, stable uh, hash rate um, growth into the future because technology is just always going to get better. Um, but it's an, a bearer asset by creating a system in which the storage of nothing more than a random number that's pulled from an impossible set of possibilities. Um, like it, it nears a comparison to the number of atoms in the known universe that provides its bearer nature without any of those other physical limitations of gold. But in the same way as gold, it is protected by a physical truth of the universe. Gold can't be created without immense amounts of energy, uh, without finding some new source out in the universe. Bitcoin is protected by the very limits of thermodynamics. It's not an arbitrary uh, limitation. It's It's not some abstract scarcity. It's a real scarcity. It's the limits of thermodynamics that make it an impossibility to guess every single combination that's uh, every potential combination inside of a 256-bit key. It's just not feasible. It is permissionless with no clearinghouse, third party, an authority of any kind deciding who could or could not transact. Um, It has no arbitrary jurisdictions limiting where or how it can be sent. All of these things gold, um, uh, gold is limited to unless you are holding it physically. But if you are holding it physically, you can do one one billionth of what you can do with the physical holding of a Bitcoin key. Bitcoin is everything that makes holding physical gold a good money. It's bare nature. Uh, it, it's scarcity by universal like laws of physics. It's fungibility as a unit. Um, it's durability as simply information that can be perfectly copied, transmitted uh, an endless number of ways. And it's verifiability as a true Bitcoin. It's far easier than verifying that you're holding a fully gold coin and not a counterfeit one. But Bitcoin then has enormous benefits on top of it that gold cannot even come close to comparing. A full audit of the supply. Every transaction irreversible accounting, the, the invaluable nature of its, imp- of its uh, a programmability, that it can be actually locked to a complex contract, contractual agreement that no other asset in the world could even hope to accomplish without some elaborate third-party liability involved and introducing huge risk into the system, that it's truly global and independent and its accounting is an absolute and incomparable assurance like nothing else that exists in the world. And that is unbelievable. It does all of this within its, 
its own system, its own unit, and it manages to mimic the, the physical limitation of creating gold in, uh, it, with the same, with, with a different law of the universe. And it's just, uh, this article was just one of those things that I read it and I was like, damn, this is good. And I hope everybody gets excited about it as I am. And I can't believe that people like Peter Schiff still just do not get this. That the only reason gold, like the, the only reason gold's physical nature is any sort of assurance is because the laws of the universe protect it and the laws of the universe protect Bitcoin just as much. Arguably more so. I imagine time will uh, prove the difference. And it's going to be a crazy, crazy ride. But triple entry accounting is here. And uh, nothing can quite touch Bitcoin in its unbelievable potential. And that's the other, that's one of the other like really great pieces or really great parts of this is that um, with the the thoughts on what double entry accounting secured and what trade it made available, what immense amount of value it was able to secure in uh, additional business and relationships and organization that's not possible with before double entry accounting that would fall victim to corruption or uh, catastrophe out of mistake or uh, uh, corrupt authorities, you know, all, all the different reasons that it could fail. The double entry accounting for 700-ish years supported so many enterprises, um, the Industrial Revolution, like all of these things that exist today that genuinely could not be secured, that could not be properly owned without that accounting revolution. That it's, The quote was, it's still worth wondering what an investment in double entry within its first 10 years would have amounted to today. Why? Because the opportunity to invest in proof of work in triple entry accounting is available via Bitcoin. The ability to provide absolute assurance from accounting perspective is unique historically and completely underappreciated by the market at large. So we will leave that here. The next hundred years, do you want to invest in, do you want to keep your money in double entry accounting? Or do you see an opportunity in investing in an accounting revolution that could secure and facilitate all kinds of new business organization and productive exchange that simply is not possible or was not possible before it existed? With that, we will close this episode out. If you appreciate this work and having all of these amazing articles read to you by myself, Guy Swan, uh, in audio form, and you would like to support or donate to the show, you can do that by anchor.fm and become a uh, regular supporter for the show. I've got uh, some fun things in the works, hopefully, for that. And uh, uh, hopefully, uh, I should have a good chunk of time this weekend. I've got a weekend to myself. I'm not leaving. I'm not doing anything else. I'm just going to buckle down and get some serious work done so hopefully i'll have some fun announcements finally for you guys on monday uh stay tuned for that do not forget to subscribe uh you can become a supporting listener at anchor and they do not even take a cut so if you want to donate like you know a dollar two dollars five dollars a month and be a supporting listener that's a great way to do it 
Um, and obviously, you can also always donate some Satoshis uh, or Bitcoin via a book, Bitcoin address on CryptoEconomy.life and my Tippin.me jar on Twitter or also CryptoEconomy.life. So thank you guys so much for listening. Do not forget to share this out with everybody you know in the Bitcoin and crypto economy space. And I will catch you back here after the weekend. Until next time, this is the Crypto Economy Podcast. I am Guy Swan, signing off. Take it easy, guys. However, speculatively speaking, however, speculative, speculatively, however, speculative, speculatively, speculatively, however, speculatively speaking, Jesus, however, speculatively speaking, however, speculatively speaking, however, Speculatively speaking, it seems likely this paper served as the final spark to create the ultimate accounting scheme, which would support decentralized digital cash three years later. Boom.